Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion. And because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers, and I am here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. It is the Sunday before Halloween, so we are... I like your spooky noises. (laughs) I only have one. That's (laughs) all I got. (laughs) We are doing a fun kind of Halloween-y episode today. Um, If you're popping in for the first time on Sundays is our More Than Mom series, so tends not to be about parenting, but about something fun and sometimes fluffy, often a rabbit hole or a deep dive. And that is what we're talking about today. We're talking about things that creep us out or freak Mm. us out. Yes. They're so, I, we've discussed a few of them and they're so random and funny to me. So we've got the whole yeah. spectrum from like things that give you what I have always called the EBGBs. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. like, you know, like nails on a chalkboard type thing. I thought the word was heebie-jeebies. Maybe it is. But you can call it EBGBs if you want to. I mean, who knows? Um, but all the way up to bigger things, like things that actually terrify us in real life. So we will, we will work all the way up. Um, But Megan, I thought we would start by just kind of talking about whether we are the type of people who like to be scared. Like, do you going into this Halloween week, is there any part of you that has been that kind of like the feeling of being slightly scared is fun or are you having none of that? Um, Slightly, yes. I like fear. I like a little control around it. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, you know, we talked about physical thrills before and that's not really what we're really talking about now, but like it's kind of to me the difference. Like I like roller coasters, but I don't like to be in a car that's moving fast and weaving in and out of traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of shows you where, like, as long as I'm in a situation that's very, that feels unpredictably predictable or mm-hmm. predictably unpredictable. So another example would be like haunted houses. I've been in haunted houses I thought were really fun. I don't like the ones where costumed people approach you yeah. at all. Like, uh- no, thank you. Yes. So if like if I know they're going to stay in their place and I might get like spooked or jumped or whatever, that's fine. But like, mm-hmm. don't touch me. Don't get in my space. I don't know. Yeah. Yes. So kind of I, I guess I ride the edge. How about you? Yeah, I think I think you and I are really similar in this way. Um, and I'm also I think it was in our adventure episode that we talked about thrill seeking, physical thrill seeking, like skiing and, you know, yeah. rock climbing and all of that. Neither of us are big physical thrill seekers. Um I don't love the haunted house or horror movie voluntarily feeling scared. I I wouldn't say I hate it. Like I I've been like I've been in some experiences where it was fun and it achieved that thrill. I don't mind roller coasters, that kind of thing. I was thinking about like scary stories and we're going to get into things like horror stories and all that. But like true crime is an example of I don't have a problem if the crime has already happened, I don't yes. have a problem hearing about like um, hearing about, you know, listening to a true crime podcast or watching a documentary, even if it's pretty sick and twisted, I can handle it. But I don't like suspenseful movies where you don't know if the person's going to jump out. So it's it's some. Yeah. I think it has to do with that unpredictability. Um, and there's a lot of nuance there. So, yeah, I like is, you. Yeah, I put yeah, us, I, I put us at 25 percent. Uh, OK, with scary. Like we're pretty I, I like much that. wimps. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We're, and, I'm, and I mean, I'm like it. I feel like I can handle it. I just would rather not like 
There's so many ways I'd rather spend my time yes. than being afraid. Yes. <laughs> like, but let me ask you this, because I think this plays into this overall, uh, overall arching question. How do you feel about spoilers? I don't like spoilers. Uh, I if, like spoilers. So you like to know what's going to happen. Well, give an I example do. of a spoiler. Like if a book is at all suspenseful, I will flip to the last page and read it first to find out what happens. And I don't just mean like, I want to know if the, the boy gets the girl. I want to know if someone dies. Like, I feel like then I can take it. Yeah. Like all that suspense, I can handle it better. Um, and I don't, yeah, there's very few spoilers in a movie. I will often look up to find out how it ends That's because I just so... really, it helps me like prepare for it. Okay. So I will say sometimes Brian will come home and tell me some long story about a coworker or something that like bad that happened to someone in real life. And I will stop him like 30 seconds in. I'm like, I'm sorry. I need to know like what the <laughs> end, what the end yeah. of this thing is, especially if it seems like someone's kid got hurt or like something. Right. So yes, when the stakes are there, but if I've opted into a book or a movie, I really, or like a TV series, I yeah. actually really hate spoilers. I want to experience it, but I've probably done my homework to make sure that this is something I'll actually like. And then, yes. then I don't like spoilers because I do like, finding out as the listener or the reader or the watcher finds out. So that's so interesting yeah. that you will it, yeah. truly seek out the resolution. And, and then it doesn't still- really seem like it would be in line with my personality, does it? No. But it? And there's, there's certain movies I would say like the sixth sense or like the others where had I known the end going in, it would have, there would have been a different experience. Like at the, I would have enjoyed that creepy thrill at the end, a little, a little yeah. more subdued, but like the creepy thrill in the end of both of those movies, like messed me up. <laughs> Like, yeah. I don't know if you've seen either of those movies, I've seen the but Sixth we'll, Sense. Talk, yeah. we'll talk more about movies in a little bit, but like, honestly, it, it was like, I felt like the wind got knocked out of me. Like my stomach dropped out. Yeah. It was not entirely a pleasurable feeling. Right. So, well, so maybe that's a little bit of self-preservation <laughs> then. Like exactly, you don't want exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willa Slip On Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah, and let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor Haya is back on the show today, and I just really love this company. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk most parents don't really want their growing kids eating. That's why Haya, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin, was created. That's right, Megan. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide the full-body nourishment they need. And Haya vitamins have a yummy taste kids love, too. So we were just talking to Katie on our team, Megan, and she was saying that when they get down toward the bottom of the Haya vitamin bottle, her boys are fighting over who gets the last one. Oh, I love it. And I also love that Katie can feel good about that, right? Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door. So parents never need to worry about running out. And we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Well, let's get right into what I'm going to call traditional scary stuff. And I thought we could each just offer up how we feel about horror movies, ghost stories, this kind of Halloween genre. We started talking yeah. about it before the break, but what's your general feel for this? I mean, ghost stories I love. Um, 
movies really depends. Like I really like a good psychological thriller or like, like the shine, like, like Stephen King level. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't even necessarily call that horror a lot of the time. Um, I used to think gory movies were super fun. I've really lost my stomach for them. And I don't know if that's an age thing. I don't like super violent movies. I don't like Quentin Tarantino movies. Um, like I saw natural born killers. I was just disturbed the entire way through. And I know people loved that movie. So it can also, it can often feel like a real dissonance or like, I'm looking around going, how is everyone else loving this so much? And people so, are just getting shot. It doesn't make sense to me. I agree. I also don't like violence, but let's break down this. Uh, let's take movies and TV, for example, because I bet you and I have some similarities here. Um, for me, when it's fast paced action or intense suspense, both of those are hard for me and the fast paced action and violence, I should say. Um, but like, for example, I watched most of Dexter, which is so disturbing and incredibly graphic in ways, but it's um, it's like spaced out and you don't spend the whole time watching people kill each other. There's lots right. of scenes in between that are calm and well lit, even though the underlying yeah. <laughs> psychological mood is crazy. And then season four or five of Dexter, the one with John Lithgow, if you guys are Dexter fans, you'll know what I'm talking about. The one with John Lithgow, which is really horrible and creepy and so well done. And it ends in the most horrific way. And then the next season starts and the storyline involved babies and kids. And I was mm. like, I'm out. Nope. And I just yeah. quit. So it's funny that we, it, we all have our own uh, ber- like parameters, our bumpers around what feels okay. I can watch, I used to love CSI. I can watch the breakdown of a crime and I'm not sensitive to like the medical side of like murder and gore, but I don't, I don't, I can't watch a lot of violence. I can watch a little, yeah. bit, little bit of violence, but it's gotta be like the payoff has to be other stuff. That's not violent. Well, and I think that for me, the movies where the violence is ironic or like, uh, is there for entertainment value, mm. like deeply disturbs me. I yes. really don't like that. I don't mind if it's like CSI shows. Those don't bother me at all. Like if it's kind of presented as like this terrible thing happened to this person, I don't ever think, I don't ever put myself in that dead person's shoes or whatever. So that's, not like it doesn't bother me on the same level because you're not seeing it happen. It's not being done like tongue in cheek for fun. Yeah, um, that really bothers me. But to your point about like kids and like any child storylines, I have a much harder time with, especially if they're playing out in front of you. If the crime already happened, that's a little different. But also, um, I can't watch war movies anymore. Yeah. And I would say that was ever since I've had kids, um, particularly, you know, little boys. Yeah, there's always some terrible scene where someone on a battlefield is calling for his mother and yeah. I can't, I yeah. just cannot handle it at all. Um, but I think like you, it's the character development. So an example would be like the walking dead. Uh-huh. I really liked the first couple seasons of the walking dead because I really felt like it was more like, um, what would happen if you were put in this position? Like yeah. normal people are taken out of their normal lives and put in these crazy situations where they have to survive and still create alliances but by like the third or fourth season, it was so bleak and it was just like, like death porn. I yeah. just couldn't, I just yeah. couldn't take it anymore. So yeah. yeah, I have a definite like tolerance level, um, l- much lower than I used to. And I don't like it. I don't like violence just for the sake of violence. Yes. I, yeah. I think you and I are pretty, pretty close to a line, but even within my own looking back of movies and TV, I've loved even my own liking patterns are inconsistent. There are some things that are very violent that haven't bothered me and other things that I won't do for whatever reason. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. Who knows what's in there that's triggering you or yeah. whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I, this is what I'm really interested in. What about, um, supernatural stories about supernatural occurrences that feel real or somebody believes they're real. I'm thinking of like, uh, Ouija, Ouija board parties yeah. and like UFO sightings, especially when presented in a way where like, this could be real. I, those things scare me. Like, it's almost like I don't yeah. really want <clears throat> I don't want to believe in them. I want to be scientifically minded and think it's a bunch of hocus pocus. And then when it's presented by someone or in such a way that it feels like it could be real, it feels very, it's like the, the floor has been ripped out from under me. I don't like yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so I used to watch the show, um, the X-Files. Uh-huh. And I think that that was probably the longest. I mean, I ran, I watched every single episode of the X-Files probably more than once, but it, it dealt with all kinds of supernatural stuff. So the show is about aliens. Yeah. But- but there's also a lot of other things and they kind of wink, wink at the stuff that's not alien. Like the alien undertone is like carries through the whole show, but they'll have these like monster of the week episodes and one will be about vampires and okay. they're just kind of fun. Okay. So I, 
I'm similar in that I want to believe, well, that's funny because that's what Fox Mulder says. I want to believe, (laughs) but like, um, like I want to believe that something like a UFO could be real, could be true, but I don't want any evidence of it being true. Yeah. Or maybe not in this lifetime. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like I don't want it to ever be something that I would have to encounter. So for me, the fact that that was fiction made it fun. Yeah. Whereas there used to be this late night radio show and I don't know if it's still on anymore. It's called Art Bell Coast to Coast. I think it was called. Yes. I'm familiar with this. It's the conspiracy theory one, right? Yeah. uh, Well, it had all kinds of stuff, lots of supernatural. So when I was first married. We lived in Tennessee and we used to drive back and forth from Tennessee to Michigan all the time. And we were young. And also we like always had this idea that it would be better to drive late at night because the kids would sleep in the car. I don't know what we were thinking because <laughs> half the time it didn't work out that way or they wouldn't sleep when we got home. But anyway, we were in the car a lot late at night and one would drive and one would sleep. And I remember several times sitting there listening to Art Bell driving down some like lonesome Tennessee highway, listening to like he had this one where he had um, recordings of children's voices played backwards and it would sound like they were saying, help me. I mean, oh my gosh. it was, and I would be terrified, yeah. but like unable to turn it off. And yeah. it's something about being in a moving car at night with like something like that coming over the radio. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was just so creepy, but I liked it. I, uh. I think it's, I'm going to put this <laughs> under unexplained phenomena. And I yes. think it's the unexplained part that as an adult now, makes me feel very nervous. So one example would be on my iPhone. I sometimes swipe to the left and see the daily headlines. I don't know. Like everybody's phone, I think has that. And mine are kind of curated to the types of stories I like to see usually. So it's like a way I check the headlines. Well, every once in a while, and I don't know why the algorithm thinks I want this information. It will be like dark mass spotted by Navy fighter pilot unexplained. (laughs) And then it'll be, and I click it and it's a whole interview with like legit, um, military personnel talking about how this just can't be explained by science. And for some reason, that's just really upsetting to me. It's just scary. And it's so funny because it either is or it isn't, it doesn't affect my daily life, but it's something about the, we can't explain this even if we try with science that's affects my sensibilities. So I think that's funny because I think that I have a, um, perhaps more of a tolerance to unexplained and mysterious things. I kind of like it. I like knowing that there are things out there that can't be explained, um, spiritual things, things like that. Like to me, that is not bothersome as long as it's not presented in a way where it would harm me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the fact that it exists doesn't bug me. Yeah. And, and there are some, I, I like unexplained spiritual phenomenon when they're, when it's happy and it's about like, right. you know, like a dog finding its way home 3,500 yeah. miles later. But yeah. that all said, I do not ever want a dead relative's ghost to visit me ever, (laughs) ever, ever. And I know there's been people who have said like, oh, like if you're open to it, spirits will visit you. And I'm like, I'm not. Okay. So just don't. (laughs) My door is closed (laughs) to all spirits. That's really funny. That is really funny. Um, Okay. Well, let's move on to the heebie or the eebie-jeebies. You take your pick or whatever you call them. And this is like this. We're loosely saying these things. They don't scare us. It's more that they give us like the unpleasant shivers, if you will. Yes. Um, Um, Do you want to start and name a couple? Well, um, I want to name a funny one really quick. My sister has this weird thing about sharing milk products. (laughs) So like she's not a germaphobe at all, but she would never share a glass of milk. It creeps her out. Okay, so or like does, she would never take a bite of cheese and then and then like hand you the rest. Can of the she explain why? Is it, it's an EBGBs like it makes her feel? I gross? think it's because milk kind of reminds her of like <gasps> oh. like mucus or something. Like okay. I don't know what it is exactly. She just said it's it's it creeps her out. She can't do it. So I just think that's really funny, and it made me think of like drinking the milk out of your cereal bowl. I'm I don't really eat as much cereal as I once did, but when I was a kid, like I loved drinking the milk out of my cereal bowl. But some people, I remember having this huge like gross out reaction to that which I don't understand at all I don't either I don't do it but it wouldn't gross me out it wouldn't even gross me out if my kids did it or someone around yeah. me yeah all right hmm. so that's the first one that popped into my head How about you okay well uh my weirdest one and I have not yet come across someone who shares this but I am hoping in our many thousands of listeners come on guys bring on the emails it's like corn detasseling and a few other things we've talked about this is where you come out of the woodwork I really am creeped out at the deepest visceral level by when potatoes grow 
eyes or grow the little like hairy sprouts <laughs> or even when an onion is in your drawer for a while and then it, it will start to like grow the green thing out the end. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Like it's, uh, a, it's yeah. a white onion. It's a, it's a, a yeah. white bulb onion, but then it will start to sprout. the Yeah. Like you just green left thing. it in the drawer too long and so, now it's okay. So let me ask you a question with the potatoes. If a potato grows an eye and I will say from cleaning them, they do feel gross. They feel like little fingers yeah. or something like yeah. the little eyes. But do you, do we, are you okay touching them to like cut them out? Yeah, I would cut them out. But the fact, here's what I think it is. A potato to me seems done growing. It feels right. like an it's inanimate dead. object. Right. It's different than planting um, a seed in your garden and watching it grow. So like an apple doesn't grow another leaf while it's sitting in your fruit bowl. It feels supernatural. It feels like, why is this thing? It's not in water. It's not in soil. It's done dead. Why is it still sprouting things? And so I think that's what weirds me out. And related to this, when we lived in Arizona, it's the land of cactus. There's a big saguaro cactuses. Those are the kind of ones that look like what you think of in cartoons. And every spring they bloom some springs more than others, depending on how much water we've had and all that. And they grow these little, I mean, it's a bud on top of the cactus. It almost looks like a little hat. And then eventually that will flower. And I had the same reaction to the cactus flowers. And so to me, again, it involves a growth on something that you don't think should still be changing and why that freaks me out. I have no idea, but it does. It makes me. Yeah. I think you and I are not aligned. Okay. We're not seeing potato eye to potato eye on that one. <laughs> well, so listeners help me out if anyone shares my weirdness. <laughs> okay. Um, you have another kind of weird one. I, I have say. a weird one. So wind turbines. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> I first encountered, and, and not one wind turbine, but I'm talking about wind turbine farms. I first encountered one while on the road down to, actually, we were on our way to the Blistem Conference um, with my friend Steph, okay. who used to be a mom blogger. Um, and we were driving through Tennessee. Actually, maybe it might have been earlier than that, but this is one time I remember this happening pretty recently. And we came across this like farm like this huge never ending field of wind turbines. Okay. And I was driving and almost like drove off the road because in Michigan, you don't really <laughs> see them like that. Like at least not where I live. You, you might see like a couple here and there, but there was something about them. Like this collection of them. Um, it looks like aliens yeah. to me, like alien robots. And all I could imagine was that they were going to fall over and start chasing me down the highway. <laughs> Well, do like, you remember, like rolling, you know what I mean? Remember the movie Contact with Jodie Foster? Doesn't it? I never saw that movie. Okay. Well, I, you know, my, my uh, not nostalgia, that's the wrong word. My amnesia with yes. narrative plot lines. I won't even try, but I'm pretty sure that they do involve contact from an alien species. And somehow those big, maybe they're not wind turbines, but maybe there's some other structure they build to contact the aliens. But you must have gotten that somewhere. Um, so we have the huge, huge farm of them between LA and Palm Springs in the desert out here in California. And if you drive out here, you, you go through it on the way to Palm Springs. It doesn't bother me at all. I kind of think it's fascinating. It's, it's like a marvel of engineering. Well, it's, right. And I, yeah. I see the usefulness. I, I know that they're like, cool. Like yeah. they're, yeah, they are a marvel, but some, something is so disquieting to me about, especially because you see them where you should see like in, because in, I don't live in a place where there are planes, right? I live in a place where there are trees right. <laughs> or farms. So to see like this empty land and then instead of trees, mm -hmm. which is what my brain is accustomed to seeing, seeing a bunch of metal, like really huge. Yeah. Oh, they're, metal. they are huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. Yeah. It's very, it is different. I just don't have the similar to potato eyes. We are not seeing yes, wind, wind not turbine to wind turbine. <laughs> so to each her own, um, I'm going to rattle off another few quick ones because there's some common ones, any kind of nails on a chalkboard, uh, for yeah, for me, saying it's, that it's when the it's a surprise, especially like when it comes out of nowhere, it's just your whole body tenses up. And if there's a fork on the bottom of a bowl, sometimes we'll do that or mm -hmm. like a knife on a plate. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I don't just... like this conversation. Can we stop? Okay, yeah, we can stop. But you said something <laughs> about metal straws and metal in your mouth. And I don't oh, think I have that. Yeah, well, metal. Uh, first of all, metal straws. I will not drink out of a metal straw. I know they're all the rage right now. Um, we were given one in our swag bag mm -hmm. at the Chic Podcast mm -hmm. conference, and I refused to take it with me. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't like metal on my teeth. Yeah. In general, that really like, ugh, I don't like metal that. on my teeth, but I don't bite on my straws or my mascara caps for but that matter. How? <laughs> well, now that is one. I took one. Can you want to tell about that yeah, story? Yeah, we have to. We have okay. to. I mean, first of all, you do. You, 
first of all, I don't open things with my teeth and you bit down on your mascara cap on purpose. So, so we're at, so we're at a conference <laughs> and Sarah's in the bathroom and my makeup bag is in the bathroom. And what did you, you come out and you said, what is up with your mascara? <laughs> I might've brought it out. Also, we yes. use the same brand of mascara. So it's so familiar to me. It looks just like mine, except. Mine has tooth marks in it. Like big, like a dog what chewed is, on it. <laughs> yeah. So the reason is, and I got, I got over my heebie-jeebies about, um, metal on teeth and actually I'm not even sure it's really metal it probably is like metal colored plastic yeah, or probably. something but for whatever reason the kind of mascara that we use it's like a completely like it's a smooth tube mm-hmm. and it's slippery there's nothing to grab often, onto yeah there's nothing to grab onto the the lid isn't or the you know where you unscrew isn't shaped any different it's just smooth yeah and um I always put on my mascara right after putting my face lotion on or maybe I've put on foundation and then washed my hands or something right so my hands were wet and I couldn't get it open so I just bit it and opened it and the nice thing is then it sh- changed the shape of the lid you gave yourself some grip like you created I gave myself some grip so I don't have to do it anymore now it just opens but the and I was getting so irritated by it I was like if I just bit this really hard with my molars it would create what I need right now which is some traction um but every one I have several of those of those uh, mascaras and every single one of them has a similar bite mark in the lid. Which okay. I think well, it's actually really funny. I will add opening things with your teeth to my list of EBGBs because uh, yeah, it makes me cause it, it's, it's not good for your teeth. So I know it's bad for your teeth. Opening things with my front teeth. I never do. Oh, and in fact, the feeling of like plastic slipping off your front teeth. Cause every now and then I'm like, there's no way I'm getting this package. I'm thinking of yeah. like a spice packet or something. Right. I can't, I've tried everything else. I don't have scissors on me. Well, I'll try my teeth, but there's something about that feeling of like, if it slips out and your teeth slam together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm team. Don't open anything with your teeth ever, but I know people do it all the time. So yeah. Um, Okay. Anything else about the EBGBs? I think I've covered mine. Um, well, I mean, there's a lot of things like that, right? Flies on food. I guess that's not unusual, but you know, they're vomiting on the food, right? When a fly lands on I should probably be more grossed out about flies on food. I mean, I don't, it's not like I, I shoo them away, but it, I probably haven't thought. I'll still eat the food, but I almost have to go to a place in my mind where I don't know what, <laughs> I didn't see what just happened. Yeah, like, yeah. I almost mentally have to pretend. That's why picnics sometimes, like picnic um, potlucks yeah. can really give me the jeebs because like there's just a big thing of food and there's flies and no one's around to shoo the flies away while they're all watching whatever the concert is or whatever. Yeah. And then you go over there and you think how much fly vomit is on this food. I was at a birthday party recently with really cute, stylish, um, like cloche, like, you know, of like a cloche, is yeah. that what you call mm-hmm. it? Um, with netting. And they looked so cute and they kept all the sandwich platters fly so free. Smart. And they probably were $10 on Amazon. It's not like a, but it was very cute. And I was like, oh, that is a, that's a great purchase. If you're going to do outdoor, outdoor things, it is still fly season here. They're in my kitchen as They're I thick. speak. Yeah. See, and I, it's fruit fly season here, as we discussed. Yeah. I have no problem with like drinking wine that has had fruit flies in it. I, did I will sometimes night. drink the fruit fly. I don't <laughs> care. I had one last <laughs> night and we don't have yeah. a lot of fruit flies, but I had a little visitor just last night. This episode is sponsored by Olive in June. And Sarah, I am just so grateful that I have mastered the art of doing my nails at home. When I look down at my cute manicure, I feel a little more pulled together, no matter how crazy life is at the moment. Thankfully, Olive and June's Manny system makes it so easy and affordable to make Manny time a regular part of my weekly routine. Well, I know the feeling, Megan, and I think it's so fun that with Olive and June, you get to customize your Manny system with your choice of six polishes, plus their top coat is included. So Katie on our team says that she has lately been layering some of their iridescent colors over their gel-like polishes, and the final result looks super shimmery and pretty. I might have to try that this spring. Yeah, and Olive and June press-ons are another cool option. They look so real, and I think it would be a great way to test out another nail shape. A long almond shape is popular right now, and I'm kind of curious what that would look like on me. Okay, well, keep me posted on that one. Listeners, visit oliveandjune.com slash themomhour for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash T-H-E-M-O-M-H-O-U-R for 20% off your first Manny system. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, we are back and the mood is settling to be a little bit more serious because we are talking mm, about yes. things that scare us that are actual. This is like a big category scary. of like real life events. Right. And I guess the blanket statement here is that the fear of dying is pretty much like universal. It's biological and it drives a lot of what we're going to be talking about. And I think when you're a mom and a mom of young kids, some of the anxieties over these things um, really can spike. So while we are laughing and kind of have been laughing through this episode, some of the things we talk about can spike real anxiety. And if you deal with real anxiety, um, hopefully you're managing it well with various tools that you can use. And I think both of us have experienced anxiety at different levels, but we're going to kind of talk through some of the real world things that can trigger either real anxiety or just, you know, like passing, passing thoughts of fear because the world, right. the world can be scary. Um, well, let's start. Let me ask you this yeah. before we jump in, mm-hmm. because this is something that's changed for me. Are you at all freaked out about what will happen to your body after you die? I'm not talking about dying. No, but like, at are all. you at all? So I used to be like really, really, really uncomfortable with the idea of like being eaten by worms. Oh, wow. Okay. And like being buried and like decomposing. And now it doesn't, it's not even on my like medium short list of things that I'm worried about. It's just interesting. Like, and, and I feel like I was, I kind of held on to that fear or hmm. ick, like pretty long, hmm. like I well into were, my twenties. I thought you were going to actually say the opposite that you used to not give it any thought. And now you think about it as you get older, but you're saying I used to opposite. think about it a lot. Maybe I just had more time to think about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I was younger. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. No, I haven't really thought about it, but who knows? You might've planted a seed and now it'll be my new. Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, that one's not on my radar. Uh, well, let's start with the fear of heights. It's very universal. Some people have it uh, to different degrees and some people don't at all. And we were just at a hotel that was 47 yes. stories tall with an elevator that is faced the middle, like an atrium elevator yeah. that's glass. And I have to say like a really interesting observation um, cause we, you and I didn't even debrief about this, but I meant to. So the main elevator was this atrium glass one where you could see the whole up and down. And if you looked down, even if you looked down from our room hallway, it opened atrium style into the center, like, mm-hmm. like 40 floors. Um, and so this was kind of like a running thing we talked about the whole time we were there. Well, there was one elevator that was the interior of the building. So it was a regular elevator that just, you, there was no windows. You couldn't see where you were. And I made a comment that having taken both elevators that the interior one actually scared me more. It was louder and it seemed older and Mm. it was very fast. It was faster than a regular elevator because it had to go 40 floors, but something about it being fast with no, nothing to see outside made me feel the height and the depth perception more and, and freaked me out. And you were getting out of the elevator and you said, it doesn't scare me, but I don't like the way it feels in my body. And that is such a, that's like a very, um, like thing that describes our two, I feel like I am often more cerebral. Like what would happen if this elevator fell to the ground and you are like, I don't like the way this feels to my body. You're so, you're so much more, is that sensory or not? Sen- I don't, I, I don't, the, yeah, the I think so. I'm feeling, but um, yes. Yeah. It, it, I tend to be very like, like when I look, so for example, I also really didn't like looking over the edge of the, and it's not because I thought I could fall, I literally got like vertigo. Yeah. So it's, a I didn't, yeah. I didn't like how it, it was like disconnect, like a disconnect between what I was seeing and I couldn't judge the height. Uh-huh. If like it, so it freaked me out on a very physical level. And it, um, and it, yeah. for me, it would be a cerebral level, but actually I don't usually have a big problem with those types of heights. Uh, we talked about, you know, being in a hotel at that height, you can get your brain going about like, what if there was a fire? What if right. this? But that's a little different than that um, visceral fear of heights. I don't, I could go up to the Sears Tower or the Empire State Building. And it, as long as I'm uh, intellectually convinced that I'm safe, I, I don't have a big problem with heights. Not in the way that some people do. Yeah. And I, I think for myself, it's more, heights really only bother me when there is that feeling of like, 
I have to navigate this or in some, in some skilled way or else, or else. <laughs> so like, like the ropes course would, you talked about. Like doing the yeah. ropes course or, which actually didn't, I wasn't really afraid of the ropes course because I was so safe. A better example would be like, if I had to climb, if there were like two ladders connected at the top of a building, even if the building wasn't particularly tall and I wouldn't die if I fell, something about having to go from one to the other and knowing that I could like slip mm. would really bother me. So for I'd me, disproportionately yeah. afraid of the height. So for me, if I knew if it was a fall that wouldn't kill me, I would totally be okay. If I was 10 stories up in the air, I would be terrified. So it is, it comes really down to like, and what's funny about that is like, my logic is often not sound. Um, so, but it's whatever my logic has determined is safe. It then kind of informs the height, the fear of heights. But yeah, you also mentioned, you know, like where you can let your mind go about like, what if there was a fire and I'm in this, in this building, when I was younger, that is the kind of thing that I may have developed like a full blown panic attack around, um, not able to sleep, not able to stop thinking about it. And I, that just doesn't happen to me anymore. And I don't know why, like, hmm. I don't know if my mind has just been, maybe I've just done it enough times and that hasn't happened. Maybe I've gotten developed coping mechanisms where I can literally just shut that part yeah. of my brain off. Um, but that is the kind of thing like that obsessive thinking about like what could happen yeah. um, was when I was younger was much harder. So that's interesting. And so I'm going to jump ahead to I'm, I'd love to talk about like natural disasters and weather events real quick, because this is something I have had significant fear and anxiety about. But but it's only selectively and only at certain times in my life. So fire has never been a big one for me, which is kind of weird because fire is probably the most common and a very scary and very deadly thing that could happen in your house, in a hotel, a building fire. Um, and we have, of course, like we have forest fires out here where I live and I don't like them. I mean, I, I pay very close attention to the news when they start, but they don't cause that anxiety reaction. Unlike big earthquakes, which we had a couple this summer and I went into full. In fact, I am still dealing with this at a like what I would describe as like a mini PTSD level where I sometimes feel like the earth is shaking and it isn't. And I'm already in my head rehearsing. The funny thing about that is. The earthquakes we have, the people at the epicenter of the one that was in uh, the Bakersfield area in July, it was a 7.1. There were two. Even the people at the epicenter, no one was killed. There was minor mm. damage to buildings. Buildings are built really safely now. And, and of course there could be. But even in California, when we talk about the big one, um, the likelihood of it, it's not it's not as scary actually as something like a fire or like a few other natural disasters, but it's just what my brain has latched onto. And it's the unpredictability of not knowing when the earth is going to start shaking. So curious about yeah. you, you live in places where there are tornadoes. Um, mm -hmm. you, yeah. do you have weather related, are there some weather or natural disaster events that feel more fearful to you than others? So what's interesting about that to me is that ever since I've been an adult, you know, when I was a kid, I was afraid of everything because everything was a story and everything was new. When I was at your parents' place, when there was that forest fire, mm -hmm. that freaked me out a big time. Here's why. I've never been near a forest fire. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what to expect. I don't know how fast they travel. I don't, when you guys talk about like the geography and how yeah. this is like in this area and it would take X, Y, Z long, like, you know, time for it to actually get this far. And here's the highway we'd leave if we had to like, I have no, yeah. in that circumstance, I didn't have any context for that. It was like being in a strange place, um, in a strange home, yeah. in a strange location, and then dealing with something like I had never uh, been near before. Yeah. And I drove a few years ago when we went to Yellowstone, we drove past a lot of forest fires on the way. And I'm sure they were really far away, but they felt very close yeah. and they were freaky on a level that I have not experienced because I had no, I like, I just, it was completely foreign to me. Yeah. So if you compare that to like tornadoes, which we have relatively quick, uh, relatively often mm -hmm. here, um, and honestly, big snow and ice storms, which are deadly. Yeah. They don't scare me at all. So yeah. stuff like, I think a lot of it is what I'm used to. Yeah. I know what to do and what not to do if there's a blizzard or, um, you know, a, a tornado yeah. or whatever there might be. And I just do that because that's what I'm used to. Yeah. So it's, to me, it's a lot about it's just a lot about my comfort level or my knowledge level, like yeah. understanding what it is. Well, and I think all of those things um, connect back to how we receive information about them. I can yeah. become, so now we have information available 
in real time, either your like local news, if it's local, it's funny. I always turn to Twitter in um, weather events or natural disasters. And I don't look at Twitter very often otherwise, but it's really good for things like that because um, you, it's just, I don't know. It just seems more useful. There's so many people posting and you can search hashtags and a lot of first responders and like government organizations will post on Twitter to keep people updated. So I have gone through phases with some of the fires where that's like my source of information. So I think anytime something spikes a fear, then if you're consuming a ton of media about it, it can just ratchet that up. But yeah. are you at all afraid of wind? I will say wind is the one exception to my rule about not being freaked out by local weather. Um, because I don't know why it, it, it's, I know it's not going to like a wind here is not going to turn into a hurricane. It's not going right. to turn into a tornado. That's not how it works. It's just going to be a high wind. And as long as I'm in my home, like maybe the power is going to go out. But yeah. Something about laying in my bed, knowing that things could be tumbling all around my backyard or like there could be an animal outside that like is being blown around by the wind like that freaks me out on a very visceral level. Not because I'm actually afraid for my life. Just it's just different. It feels I don't know. out of control. I yeah. actually used to really like wind storms and also thunder and lightning storms because um, I didn't grow up with the thunder and lightning at all. So I thought they were electrical storms. Actually, I thought were really cool. They never scared me. Um, in Arizona, we have the monsoons and, and the wind storms would sometimes turn into dust storms and those could get scary, but I wouldn't say wind. It, the only reason it scares me now is fires because wind and fire here are Go together like, badly. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. And we get the hot winds. We don't get like the winter winds. We get the hot right. ones. So, um, there's lots to be afraid of with the weather. Should, it sure is. I want to switch to another natural, uh, thing. And that is creepy crawlies, which I'm sure for a lot of people could be a whole episode. Oh, yeah. So what's your, what's your like high level on creepy crawlies? How afraid of you? How afraid are you? Uh, you're talking about bugs and spiders yes. and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, I don't like bugs. I don't like anything that moves unpredictably. <laughs> so I really don't like snakes in cages. Although snakes in the wild don't bother me that much. I don't really see scary snakes around here. We don't have them. We don't have like rattlers or right. like that. Um, rattlesnakes. Um, I don't like bugs that all of a sudden jump. Yeah. Or run really fast. Like cent- I think it's centipedes or millipedes or maybe both that run really fast. That freaks me out. But for the most part, I can. Oh, and like bumblebees, the way they fly, like bumbling all over the place. <laughs> I don't like that. Like I wish they would just fly or um, dragonflies are the same way. Their flight pattern kind of freaks me out. Okay. So I'm not really like on a logical level, I'm not afraid of them. I just would rather know that they're going to stay in their place. So for me, like I can look across the room and see a spider and be like, oh, hey, there's a spider in my house, whatever. But if that same spider is above my head, then I start thinking, is he going to drop down on a little web and hit me in the face? Like what's going to happen next? So I don't know. I, I, like in, in, on principle, I don't hate them or anything. I just, I like them to stay in there in nature. Yeah. And if you think of people in your life who are truly phobic about spiders and bugs, then you probably identify with as someone who isn't, I mean, right. hearing you talk because the people who are, are truly, it's almost a panic re- reaction. I, as you yeah. were talking, I was thinking about both with the natural disasters and the bugs. Um, I think what the difference comes down to if it jumped out at you, you would be startled and a little bit scared. But if you mm-hmm. walk into a room, you're not wondering, is there a spider in this room? I think right. that's the difference. Like for <laughs> yeah. me with the natural disasters, the earthquakes, I do think about like, I'm still, it's kind of like running in the back of my mind. That's how I know it's like, it really is like some kind of anxiety fear-based thing. Whereas like, if there's a forest fire, I'm gathering information and I'm not happy about it. It's quote yeah. unquote scary, but I'm not anticipating the fear. And I think that's kind of the, kind of the difference almost. So yeah. I feel the same about bugs. I don't, I don't really want them in my house, but I don't, I don't lie awake wondering if there's a spider, you know, in the corner, like, yeah, you know, uh, do you ever do this? I, I will often, cause I don't like to kill bugs that much, especially, especially spiders when they're big and juicy. Um, I will sometimes go into my shower and there'll be a spider and I'll just be like, I'm just going to leave for a little while. <laughs> And when I come back, I want you gone. I don't care where you go. You can like hide behind the curtain. Yeah, that's fine. But I just don't want to see you. And then we're going to live together just fine. And then yeah. it makes me almost mad when they won't do that. And You're then like, they, we made a in, deal, buddy. Right. And they insist on like dangling over my head. I'm like, why did you have to go and do that? Now I have to have one of my kids get you. Yeah, that's interesting. Because <laughs> I'm not going to do for it. For spiders also, it comes back to me and liking the factual information. If I know they're not harmful, 
they really don't bother me at all. So we have these huge orb weavers outside right now, and um, they they're not harmful to people. And in fact, they keep the black widow population right. in check. So I'm like, go have at it, buddy. They don't really tend to come inside. If we get spiders inside, they're pretty little. They're wimpy. Yeah. We don't get big ones inside, but we do have big ones outside. And you will kind of like walk up right up to a web and be like, oh, hello. Hello so that there. doesn't yep. and like snakes, it would startle me if I came across a snake. We do have rattlesnakes on the hiking trails, but it's not something that truly you don't so, you don't spend time thinking about it unless you have to. I don't. And then I'll just yeah. cap off our bug discussion with my scorpion history because the exception to this is scorpions. And we did live in a house in Arizona um, that had scorpions all throughout the neighborhood. No matter what you did, you could spray and we'd find, I mean, many, many over the summer season. Sometimes we'd find them dead. Sometimes we'd find them alive. Someone, no one's died from a scorpion sting in Arizona since like the 1950s. And so they're really, truly only dangerous for like really little babies and elderly people, et cetera. However, it is a serious sting. And I, it was so startling to me the first couple of times that I think it is same thing. I had that almost like PTSD type. I just, and I had little babies. I had newborn babies mm-hmm. during that time. I had crawling babies. I had toddlers who picked stuff up. And I, I mean, I, my, my scorpion stories could fill a whole episode. Um, Brian did get stung and Violet got stung kind of by one that was like half dead. So it wasn't a very powerful sting, but I lived in fear. And honestly, moving away was the only thing that fixed it because they don't live where I live now. And that is where I won't need scorpions to stay is in the other place. And I wonder if maybe if you'd grown up with them, if that would have been like less, excuse me, less of a thing. Yeah, I think that's possible. Um, I think, yeah, the otherness, like you talked about with the Mm -hmm. wind turbines or the fires, because it wasn't something I dealt with growing up. I never built up the experience to say, okay, well, you know, it's not a good thing. He's across the room in my house. We're going to take care of that. But my life is not in danger. My children's lives are not in danger. And it's like, I, I didn't ever build up that resilience. I went right to... Like they, they are just so horrible. They're so horrible looking and they, yeah. it's like, what are they? They're like yes. a reptile slash bug with a huge stinger. It is creepy. Yeah. They are really yeah. creepy. Um, I'm the same way about like ocean critters uh-huh. because I didn't grow up in the ocean. And, um, I have always like had this thing about when I'm, when I do go in the ocean, like what, what if I step on something? I have a friend and this is like a, a story that I never even knew could be a thing. So this just goes <laughs> okay. to show you like when you live in Michigan, or the Midwest, you don't even know. So I have a friend who was in the ocean in Florida and was like, they were jumping off rocks into the ocean and her feet sunk into this kind of like sludgy sand and she fell forward onto an oyster bed. Yes, you told me this. And when she's describing this, I'm like, I would never go in the ocean again if that happened to me because she was covered like with bloody, like like she was all scraped up. She had to go get on like major antibiotics and they couldn't give her stitches because I didn't know this, but the oysters have bacteria on their shells. And if you stitch the wound, oh. it traps the bacteria. And as she's describing this to me, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like it never would have occurred to me that something like that could be a thing. Yeah. So there is that unknown can be really, you don't know what to do and what to not do. It's yeah. like the, you know, people who get like, I don't know, eaten by crocodiles or whatever because they didn't know where they were going to live like that's the thing about going outside of your (laughs) you don't even know what you don't know don't leave your house until you fall on an oyster bed but you know she lived so she lived oh my gosh well um (laughs) you mentioned getting stitches so let's jump into needles doctors and hospitals how is this a fear thing for you strangely no and when I was um when I was pregnant, you know, I went with home births for four of my, well, home and house, or uh, sorry, home and birth center, but like the kind of birth center was basically like a nice hotel. Like someone else's house. <laughs> like someone else's house, right? Um, birth for four of my five. And I think it was because for me, the medical part got me out of the part of my head that made it feel normal. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like if it was all, when I had Jacob and everything was so regimented and like needles and all that stuff, it like somehow like, almost um, like an emergency maybe or like, yeah, like it hotwired the part of my brain that was like trying to be calm and say, this is natural and normal. Uh So for for me, like birth and and meds did not go like birth and hospital did not go together unless necessary. All that said, I thought I'd be much more freaked out the time since then that my kids or I have had to have medical procedures. Um, I thought having surgery would really scare me and it really in the end was totally fine. 
So no. Yeah. I have, what about, what about getting an actual shot or needle or IV, anything with a needle? Cause needles are their own specific phobia for a lot of people. It's definitely not a phobia. I don't like the feeling of getting a shot. I don't mind having my blood taken and I don't really mind having an IV put in by a skilled practitioner. That makes a big difference. Yes, it does. Um, I don't like being injected. It hurts, uh-huh. but like, I'm not afraid it's not of a it. Fear. Okay. So I have, I'm, I'm proud to report since I'm a more anxious person, I have none of these anxieties. I think, um, good medical care and I'm very privileged to have had quality medical care. It's different if you're, you know, in another country or whatever, you're uncertain about the quality, but quality medical care actually makes me feel safe and taken care of. And I realize there's, there's like a filter in that as well, because there's plenty to question about our medical system. And so I have like chosen this kind of (laughs) blinders approach, but it works for me. I'm not, I'm not afraid of hospitals. I'm not afraid of needles and I don't carry any anxiety into medical procedures. I mean, beyond like, oh gosh, you know, I hope this goes well, like, you know, but like, I don't, I have none. And it's a big one for a lot of people, needles and, and the unpredictability of surgery or medication. I will say when, when I, cause I had C-section. No. Okay. Yes. I did have C-sections. I didn't really have anxiety about that kind of anesthesia, but I have never been under general. And the idea of losing control and consciousness under Mm -hmm. general anesthesia is probably the one thing that makes me feel like that would be very weird. And I, I feel like in my head, I don't like the idea of that, but if it came down to it and that was what I needed to do, I think I'd still be fine. I would just be weirded out by it. Well, it is weird. And I, um, it's kind of funny, like before I had my wisdom teeth out when I was, I think 32, I was terrified of, and I didn't even go all the way under. I just had a, I think verse said like it was conscious sedation. Okay. I had to have all four out at once. Um, I was terrified going in. It was no big deal. Then I had to have a hysterectomy like three years later. And so I felt like the wisdom teeth had been like a baby step because mm-hmm. then I did have to go all the way under. And I was scared. I really was. I didn't like the idea. I didn't know what it would feel like. Yeah. That's kind of how like, I what feel. Would it feel like to, for someone else to decide time for you to sleep now. But I will say the funny thing is it felt like nothing because I was high as a kite by that point. Yeah. And I didn't care. Like I was having a ball. And when I woke up, it felt like something had happened to someone else. Like I wasn't weirded out by the fact that people had been, been all up in my business yeah. taking out organs. Like I was like, Oh, whatever. I wasn't even there yeah. as far as I'm concerned. It really was no big thing. I think once you do it once it's probably, and I'm, that's not to say I wouldn't have nerves again, but it's definitely, it, it demystified that for yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. I think that's how I would be as well. Um, well, the last one I wanted to talk about is probably the most terrifying, and that is the news and things that happen. Um, I'm going to lump like bad guys, terrorism, crime. Um, have you ever had times in your life where you're afraid, for example, someone's going to break into your house or things that you see are certain things you see in real life on the news? Um, you know, bomb threats, terrorism, yeah. more triggering than others, or is it a general, or are you pretty good at just like, again, this is not happening to my life. So I'm good at disconnecting. How does that make you feel? Um, whenever there's a big high profile thing for a day or two, right around that, yeah. I will, especially school shootings or yeah. like a big terrorist events. I definitely have some fear around that. For the most part, I am able to just let it go and mm-hmm. move on. And I think a lot of that's because I just don't participate in the news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I participate in news that I can do something about or that Mm -hmm. affects me. Um, but I just don't like on a 24 hour a day or even, you know, one hour a day basis. I just don't, I just, I, I, I like protect myself from that because I can, I do have the kind of personality. My imagination can run very wild Mm -hmm. and I can go down all kinds of paths. And when I was younger, that meant I spent a lot of time terrified, frankly, Mm -hmm. and I just can't do that to myself anymore. So I just don't. I think that's really smart. I think, no, I mean, you really hear that when you hear expert advice about this as well. It's possible to stay informed about the world and not consume fear-based headlines. Those two are not mutually exclusive because people say, well, I I want to stay active. I want to stay informed, but you don't have to consume the type of news that is, it's meant to scare you for a reason. The reason is money. Um, You don't have to participate in that to stay informed. There's other ways. Um, Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is like, I think we've both talked about since becoming a mom, like you think differently about all of these things. So, um, I am prone to being anxious about what's in the news. Um, and I think my solution is usually to tune it out or filter even through my husband. So there have been times in the news cycles where I've said, just tell me if anything, um, like 
tell me the, give me the daily digest. I don't even want, I don't even want to go to the daily digest and read the headlines because even those are meant to scare me. So, um, specifically I have had times where like, like, uh, a middle of the night home invasion is a real, it's never happened to me, obviously, Mm -hmm. but it's one that's like real specific that I have let play out in my mind. And so that has made sometimes, uh, like traveling when Brian's out of town, that has made that hard. I would say it's not, it's not ratcheted up to a level where I just feel miserable and panic and can't sleep all night. It's just kind of like, ugh, like don't let your mind go there, please. And you know, I just live in a very safe neighborhood. The likelihood of that is so low, but for some reason, that's a real specific one for me, like waking up out of a dead sleep and right. hearing my a window break or my front door open is like a real, that's a real specific one for me. Well, and I think I told you before that when William was a baby, I had like this, I actually now looking back, think I was having like chemical anxiety yeah. because I had runaway fears at night about, and he was maybe six or seven months old um, about, and this went on for like a month too. It wasn't like one night where I could not sleep before the birds came out. Like when I heard the birds start to chirp, I could go to sleep. So I was up until like five in the morning because I was picturing, I was like running around my house, hiding behind curtains, looking out the window. I just remember like (laughs) at one point thinking this isn't normal. I remember thinking that like having this um, feeling like there's a train was really close to my house and being worried it was going to derail and hit my house. I mean, like what are the chances? It wasn't even that close, but it wasn't logical at all. It was all, it was, I think like a, a soup of, anxiety, um, my body chemicals may be like shifting because he was starting to like eat real foods. Yeah. And like that really does cause yeah, yeah. Oh, a yeah, physical definitely. chemical reaction in your body. Um, and also just the protectiveness that yeah. happens when you have a, a baby. And I was just, it was kind of, I was a mess for like a month. And now looking back, I'm like, gosh, I wish I would have put two and two together. I know. Isn't and, that the truth? Like, <laughs> I just thought it was like, my imagination's running wild. I'm losing my mind and it's all my fault. Aww. And now looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was so not just my fault but now I know like even um even politics even if it's not something that's scary but if it's something where I can't know all the things I would need to know to make a truly informed decision that can also create a lot of anxiety and stress and Mm -hmm. so I just have to be selective yeah 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 well I thought we'd finish by asking whether there's anything that's a typical fear that a lot of people are afraid of that we just have no issues with. So I talked about like needles and hospitals and doctors would be one for me. Another one for me would be public speaking. I have very little fear of speaking in front of a group of people, even, I mean, a little bit of jitters, but it doesn't bother me at all. And for some people, and I have good friends who are like this, who are bright and articulate and like great conversationalists and would rather do anything like, like tightrope walk across a building with no net rather than get up and address a group of people. So I just find that's that so interesting. Funny. Yeah. No, that's not a fear of mine. Yeah. They do say that that's one of the biggest, um, like that's one of those top 10 fears or something like that. Not, not for me either. I'm not in general afraid of putting something out there that might be rejected. Oh, that's a and good one. like, I'm not, so I'm not afraid to audition for a play. I'm not afraid to pitch an idea. I'm not afraid to ask someone on a date. Like I'm not afraid of any of those things. I might, I might kind of get nervous and try to figure out the best way to do it, but I'm just not afraid of the, the fact that someone might reject me. That's I don't know a if that's a great like one, actually. Misplaced optimism, perhaps. No, but there's, <laughs> I, I didn't even think of that. That's a real driving yeah. fear for a lot of people yeah. and for a lot of kids and a lot of teenagers. Mm-hmm. So that's actually a really good one. I, yeah, I hadn't I'm, thought I'm about I'm not that afraid either. of looking dumb. I'm just not. I'd like, yeah. and, I, and sometimes I'll look back and go, ugh, like that was, <laughs> man, that was really not well thought out. But in the moment, I'm not afraid of it. That's actually, that's a great, that's a great one. That's a great one. A good place well, to wrap up on this Halloween kickoff to Halloween week. It is. And you know, if, if we were more afraid of public speaking <laughs> and or being rejected, this podcast wouldn't exist. Right. And if I still lived in Arizona and had to think about scorpions all the time, I probably, I mean, I could not have started this podcast because I would just be, <laughs> you'd be cowering. Be, you'd be like inside a plastic I'd be face scorpion or... hunting. Oh my gosh. Okay, everybody. We hope that you have enjoyed being a little freaked out with us. And <laughs> as a reminder, we would love to hear from you. Um, you can always email us at hello at the mom I am really very interested to know what fears resonated with other people who are listening and which ones they didn't relate to at all. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly potato eyes I and guess. wind turbines and wind turbines. So send us the email. Hello at the mom hour.com. And we're going to be back on Tuesday with an episode all about how we celebrate kids birthdays in our families. So looking forward to that one. We'll talk to you then. 
Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Tease Made. I launched back in November, and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Tease Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.